stab me in the heart. Some Cardiff fans react to Paul's show. <laughs> Callum Patterson. Just stab me in the heart. I want to end it. Callum Patterson's going. <laughs> Excellent. He's barely kicked a ball for us in 2020, but kill me now. <laughs> this is the living end. Can you keep that bit and put it in the cold open? <laughs> Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, in a conversation this week about fish and chips, led me to the observation that, like many an expat, he has frozen his version of England based on experiences and imaginings of yesteryear. And now the world is judged against it and can never match up, uh, chip shop-wise. He's basically a chippy-based Morrissey, my friend and yours, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm very good, thank you, Rich. How are you? Very good, yes. So, I mean, you've got strong opinions about chippies and, and chip shop I culture. do uh me and richard and some of our friends got into a real ding dong or at least i just relentlessly went on about things that people <laughs> didn't seem to really care that much it's a bit like how kind of what happens here in canada when someone asks me if what i think about best fish and chips in calgary and i just have a moment where i just kind of my eyes glaze over and i don't know if i really want to go there or and then you go just i do yeah i do just really go off on one and just like yeah, that's not, um, this isn't how adults communicate with each other, Luke. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I would just, just to give a kind of insight, uh, red sauce or tomato sauce completely off the, off the docket for you? Well, for bacon sandwiches, yes. Yeah. But what about for chips? Fish and chips? I thought well, you do were. People, do people have brown sauce on fish and chips? I mean, I think you, I think you're throwing me a bit of a curveball here, Rich. Oh, well, Scottish people do. Chippy sauce is uh is is popular north of the border but um so okay scottish people are weird though aren't they rich <laughs> you know you are one <laughs> i've i've I, part, chippy sauce came to me late in life but uh it's um i don't hate it it's uh it's a fun uh fun mixture wow. of brown sauce and vinegar wow what is what is daddy sauce a mix of you remember daddy sauce is daddy sauce still a thing uh, um i th- I think it's still a thing. I think it's just tomato sauce that's not Heinz, essentially. Right. Like, I quite like cheap ketchup, and I think Daddy's has a bit of that, where it's got more, like, it's essentially, it's watered down tomato ketchup with more vinegar, and I'm into it. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like Daddy's is still around. You can get it from, you can get it from, uh, you can get it from Iceland. You can get four litres of it from Amazon. <laughs> That's your Christmas sorted, Luke. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, no sauce on fish and chips, thank you, of any variety. Let's just keep it to salt and vinegar. Um, I don't include mushy peas as a topping. I do like mushy peas, but that's that's never been a topping for chips. Uh, Curry sauce, yes. Uh, Gravy, if that floats your boat, it's fine. I'm not really that into it. Um, Not for me, but I don't besmirch you putting gravy atop your chips. Um, I think that's pretty no much tar- kind of the high high level you overview. No, you say no tartar tartar as well? No tartar tartar, even though someone may ask me and I'll be like, sure. And then I get it and I'm like, I didn't want this. 
that, that basically regaled what happened to me on Friday. And, um, <laughs> my sweet and patient girlfriend, you know, I was like, got horrendously irate at the, the lack of chips in my kind of feel very homesick right now because of everything that's going yeah. on in the world it kind of just limits you know any options i have to come back to the uk anytime soon oh yeah and but that's you the problem which i see i see the giant sprawl of calgary there's so much free space here in canada and all i'm asking for is can't we just fill some of that free space with a chippy mm, a, a pie that you you just wonder how long it's been sat there for how it's actually warmed you know that that that's a fun part of chippy culture i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. scraps which i used to enjoy as a kid i don't know did you did yeah you see again scraps I, I hadn't that's come come late to me in uh, in my chippy chippy life as well but what a treat <laughs> <laughs> so look forward to my autobiography my my chippy life <laughs> my, my chippy life oh dear uh an aortic that- adventure is that a perfect segue to go on to? Um... <laughs> of course it is. It's a, it's a, I mean, there could be no better segue to put us into the world of... Breaking hoo-hoos. <laughs> <laughs> From Chips to Callum Patterson, it's the news. <laughs> <laughs> Top headlines at six. <laughs> Luke likes some things from the chip shop, but not others. And Sheffield Wednesday have been linked to Callum Patterson. That's the news. Um, (laughs) So we've we've sort of had this uh, on-again, off-again link to to Kenneth. uh, Kenneth Zohor or Zohore um, at West Brom. And that seems to have cooled in recent days. And then in its place, uh, there is a lot of heat linking us to to uh, Cardiff City's Callum Patterson. What do you what what do you think what are your thoughts? Um I think what I'd like Rich is that you're someone who seemingly watched a lot of Callum Patterson <laughs> or more than I have, I think. Well, the link I, kind of came out of left field for me and you know I've since gone and you know it's nice to put a, a signings uh, all of his goals for you know hearts for the jam tarts up on yes. youtube and just kind of have that stream while you're doing other things it's quite nice i quite like that actually i think i've realized that i I need to just basically just plaster most of my youtubes with random striker goals yeah i think that's quite nice it's quite a nice thing to to, to do um well i wouldn't profess to be any sort of expert but i do and i haven't followed him as closely in the sort of three years that he's been at cardiff but we were linked with him around the time that he joined Mm. We we were sort of in for him as well, um, and I just was intrigued by this right back that also bagged a lot of goals. Um, seemed mm. to have the versatility to play pretty much anywhere on that that right flank, and um, at a push at that time could kind of be a a makeshift striker. I think in his time at Cardiff, he's probably played striker more than other positions, but I I, I don't know for certain, but. Uh, he's and the other the other thing that, that sort of recommends him highly is um, the venerable uh, Edinburgh Owl on Owls Talk, who is both a fan of the Jam Tarts of Edinburgh and uh, and Sheffield Wednesday. He uh, he's a huge fan of him, having watched quite a lot of him play. So uh, that that's a good 
that's someone who generally I feel I respect his opinion on things, like having never met him on, uh, but only sort of vaguely seen his input on a message board through. The sure, years. sure. No, that's, um, that's, uh, that's how we base opinion on anybody these days, exactly. really. Is a social so pra- media presence exactly, and praise doesn't come easy. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't take that lightly. But he's can I what can you, I just divert you just for one second, just for a little bit of something? I just want to drop in there while we're talking about social media presence. Um, guess who's a first connection with Carlos Calvajal on LinkedIn now? Is it you? It is. Oh, amazing! And uh, because I do it in the sneaky private way, I signed back up for LinkedIn Premium to see that he checked out my profile last night. <laughs> hey! Nice. Good stuff. So anyway, oh. let's just go away from the fictional world of social media, which doesn't mean anything. I can't wait till you replace me on this podcast with Carlos Calvajal and you just talk tactical periodization for an hour and a half every week. That's going to be a treat. I'm looking forward to subscribing bitterly. <laughs> That's like the reverse of how uh, Rich and I briefly did a stint on Love Sport Radio, and we pretty much replaced Giles Coke. So that's (laughs) kind of the reverse of that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those those are big boots to fill. Um, But so, so he's so an interesting sort of prospect in in that he's he's got a versatility to his game. I think one of the criticisms may be that. You know, even at an established age of so 25, 26, he's probably not made any one position absolutely his own. Um, but what what he is in terms of that, he, he competes very, very well in the air. He's a very good header of the ball, which is not a given. <laughs> um, I think he's I think he's only sort of six one or something like that. He's not a massive towering presence, but he plays taller than he is, probably a, a little bit like Fletcher in that way. That his he has an oversized presence uh, in the way that he plays, and just looking at games midweek and today, presence is what we need up top. And uh, I'd be excited for for him to come. I'd hope that we'd be the club where he, you know, really digs in and makes a place his own, and and he becomes our, our sort of centre forward that leads the line for us. There's. Um, I think sort of Peter Lohman had pulled together some stats, stats to show that he's he is very good at kind of holding up the ball and building play, but may, maybe not getting directly involved in goals necessarily when he's in that position. But we've seen from the work that they that, that Monk was able to do with Stephen Fletcher, and we've also got Beattie on board. I, I think we could make him into a much better player than he already is, and that's quite an exciting prospect, I think. So I really wanted Rich for you to give a, a you know a bit of an overview from that from your very kind of learned very analytical respected um, perspective for me to come in and just do my own tossy little thing that amuses me um, and maybe me only. So Callum Patterson, um, Callum P is Callum P seven is his Twitter handle, but what I also like about that is it's Callump. Oh, nice, um, yes. And I think that also kind of describes him as well. Um, he does a series of wanky celebrations, including flossing poorly, just like I do. Um, right. So that's, that's an interesting thing to look at. You know, he grows a largely poorly advised Tom Selleck moustache. And, you know, he's not starring any World War One films portraying Sieg- Siegfried Sassoon, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> 
So it's an interesting kind of, uh, you know, facial hair choice. And look, he's speaking on in life. I think he's a handsome big lad. He is a bit of a, he's a, bit of a strapping, strapping lad, isn't he? Yeah. Um, his profile picture on Twitter is kind of something else. I don't know if you've actually seen that. So indulged. It looks like him celebrating with two alcoholic beverages in a wanky kind of pose dance that looks oddly sexual. So it's kind of like some Hindu deity of being a lad. That's basically what I'm kind of getting. And then, you know, we've got the fact that, you know, he's a right back, right wing back who had a great goal record for right back at Hearts, but, you know, a less good one when kind of converted to a striker at Cardiff. Um, But that was also seen before somebody else kind of posted on our talk about the fact that he's generally utility player and he's seemingly played everywhere bar in the net. And his, his kind of goal return doesn't really kind of give any kind of great example of where he is. Um, so I, I really want to kind of conclude on all these points and say, this is one of the stranging, the strangest signings on paper, I think, that we've come up to. But I, I do want to say it does sound like a very good, bizarre signing. I mean, in a litany yeah. of Doyen signings pulled out of some football manager European signings generator, which were mostly bizarre, bad signings. This is excellently strange. It's the Heinz baked beans pizza of signings. Bananas, but it works. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it is left field, but then all the links have been left field because we've not, I, we don't know the sort of waters we're fishing in for this striker. But I would think a sort of permanent deal for a 25 year old that is coming from one of our rivals. Okay, it seems like he's sort of fallen out of favour a little bit at the. At the at Cardiff City, but he played a good amount of football for them in the Championship and in the Premier League. He was given a new contract in the Premier League, so I think like I think Colin at the very least was pretty pleased with him because mm. giving a player another four year deal uh, a year into their or a year or two into their first contract is is pretty full on. Um, so I, I think there's a there's enough positives that I think we can rightly be fairly excited. Uh, but it's there. There's a. There's also, as in, as it seems to be the way with our position, where we're having to cut our cloth to to suit a particular financial situation. There's also the fact that there's there's several caveats that we need him to become something to to completely fill the role that we need. Um, but I've no doubt he will be better at leading the line than everybody else that's on the books at this point in time, which is quite a nice place to start from him, I think. Okay, shall we uh, wander along to the next bit of transfer-based news? Please do. This, I mean, we won't have won't have to spend forever on this, I don't think. But um, it's just a, just make, making note that uh, Sam Hutchinson has, similar to Ati Nuiu, popped up in Cyprus, and he has joined the most Cockney-sounding of Cypriot clubs, Paphos. He's gone Paphos. <laughs> So I was going to say, I mean, that's certainly, I mean, it must be a lot closer to London than Sheffield, right? Because I know he wanted to move down to London. You know, welcome to Different Gravy, the premier geographically focused Sheffield Wesley podcast. Also chewing up and spitting out the pages of your teenage history lessons, retelling education poorly and with no recognized authority too. Oh, he's going to enjoy huge, oh, deafening crowds. (laughs) The capacity of their ground is 8,500. Um, Did you happen yeah. to see the Twitter announcement from the cl- the the Paphos? Paphos. We've only gone sign out, haven't we? <laughs> Do 
Just you wait till he goes up them apples and pears at the Stelios Kirikardis. <laughs> He's going to love it. He is. <laughs> so I, the thing I want to mention was, uh, you know, Hutch's picture announcement looked the most photoshopped. Not I'm saying it doesn't look like it should be plastered against some concrete. You know, I understand that the, the beaming grin of Hutch needs to be on some Cypriot landmark, but actually it looks like they couldn't get him to wear the Paphos shirt, so they superimposed it over him wearing a fret white tee from Primark. Yes. You've got to question the, the move where he's not, they can't even get a shirt to him. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there you go. I mean, a long-established history. They're, they were formed in 2014. Um, he's very much gone like for like, really, with this, from club to club, hasn't he? Mm. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. One club formed 156 years ago, nearly, and the other club six years ago and uh yeah i mean i hope he gets on with cameron cameron toshak the uh the manager so interestingly this is probably worth running around the track a little bit but the attitude i've I've sort of been a bit sniffy about the club that he's joined but there have been some folks um on social media and the like sort of giving it a oh he gave it the big one and now he's at paphos do you kind of understand that feeling or or is it just a, a benevolent waving into the distance uh, for Hutch I I don't know but I think there's there's often I, I feel like we're we're as guilty as this or I feel like I'm definitely as guilty it's something I kind of look at myself and kind of not really keep myself in check but just aware that I'm coming out with it I mean we're kind of coming out with I, I think this is unfortunately the way that these kind of you know war of words work against some of these players who are kind mm. of exiled but we're really taking the club's line on this aren't we in every case i think i don't think there's a case for any of our exile players where we said uh, i think they've been hard done to yeah i mean i've also said that with george hurst i don't really know what the you know the line there no, the is of it, yeah no and we don't and we probably never will because i'm sure there's tons of paperwork and litigation kind of around such things and you know, and uh, and the general nature that it's kind of not good to talk talk so poorly about your kind of ex-employers in that kind of world. Yeah, I think with Hutch, I think with Hutch, it was a bit that you could kind of see the strings, and then you wonder how far. You know, the fact that there was so, there was some clear mistruths in the things that he was you know he was a good we've talked about how he's he's very good at the kind of PR side of things. He's a uh. he's an intelligent guy and knows he has a voice and at times has used that positively and for 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 the team but more often it's been positively for you know for one of a better word the brand of Sam Hutchins and and within that there's been times where you can you know you can see that he has sort of said things quite differently to how how all appearances look mm-hmm. and you either then you're in a position where well I believe Sam Hutchinson here or or I or I believe what my eyes are telling me. And there's been a couple of situations like that. And I think once you start to go down that slippery slope of, well, if he's happy to kind of, you know, speak a very different truth on X, Y, and Z, then mm. why should I believe him on A, B, and C? Um, but, it, you I, know. I also think there's a, I feel that there's a disappointment with the fact that these are players, these are kind of, <clears throat> I think any player, even if they're not, getting to any degree of hero or cult hero status, I think we still look up to them to some degree Mm. because they're playing for our idyllic beloved Sheffield Wednesday. 
Yes. And, you know, so there is, it doesn't matter what degree of platform, it doesn't matter if it's a, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's um, the pyramid stage at Glastonbury or a ballet stage, which is about five, you know, three centimeters off the floor. Yeah. You know, there is a platform effectively. Yes. Yeah. I think the thing that's sobering and it's a little bit upsetting is to see players leave us. Um, and then seemingly this is where they go to. Like it yeah. seems like a nice little holiday convenience. You know, the funny thing is, and I, I don't want to be too kind of shitty to other human beings with this, but it, it kind of feels a bit like, you know, I just imagine Hutchinson with his, his company family being like, Oh, I'm going to, uh, going to Cyprus and I'm going, Oh, I love Cyprus. So we'll come visit you. You know, that, that kind of feel, you know? Yeah. yeah. I imagine his dad is purely just Charlie from EastEnders, you know, as a <laughs> cab driver for the EastEnders. So, you know, it's, it's just, exactly. It, yeah. it just feels, it, it feels a touch like I thought you would have gone to a championship club. I thought you would have gone to a league one club, maybe to drop down. But then I think the thing that it, it, it betrays how, what we think about these players, but also then betrays their standing for, for us. Cause we felt that these players were decent players for us. You know, I, I felt the same for, I, I even felt that maybe like it was coming to the, you know, the lesser end of his powers, but I still would have said that and saw that for Hutchinson. Yeah. 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 But then it's like the realization that no, actually, well, these players maybe had a, you know, a market and time for that, but we've long passed that, past that window. Right. Yeah. It, it is interesting that he's, he's gone there. It, it makes me, it, your mind naturally speculates on what happened at Christmas <laughs> that, that the team completely sort of became a mirror image of themselves. Mm. What happened you know, and and what was his involvement in the downfall of Yos, and potentially it could have easily been the downfall of of Monk. You know, wherever you stand on Monk as a as a manager now, and and whether you know whether he should still be the manager, it, it's fair to say that given the form at the end, you know, through the second half of last season, he's a fairly lucky guy to be yes be in charge of the club still, mm. but. But that so that Hutchinson, you know, club man, you know, one through walls, Mister Club Man, has been at the heart of mm. that twice. That's undeniable. We don't know what all the ins and outs of it are. This time it failed, and he's he's out on his ear essentially. Um, and it's I think it's maybe telling that he hasn't ended up at a, at a better club because he did play a reasonable amount of football. He he interestingly despite the fact he sort of moaned about training more having to train more often he he did play a fair amount of football last season how much of it was particularly good i don't know but yeah this is it, it certainly in terms of quality of of competition this is a big step down mm. but uh but you know it's a nice as you say it's a bit of a holiday it's a, if the wages are similar or <clears throat> potentially you know even a little bit worse you can weigh up, you know, quality of life with with life in the UK, and and maybe maybe come out thinking that this is that this is much the better yeah. option. Well, I think, I was thinking a lot thing. about that. Like maybe there's a cheap, you know, cheaper standard of living. Maybe it's it takes less for you to get by. I imagine it probably does. It's not a particularly, you know, affluent country. Effectively. Yeah. Just before we uh, before we move on to the final bit of midweek news, uh, 
Cameron T- Toshak is is John Toshak's son. Mm-hmm. So almost all of his jobs have been as assistant to his dad, including they work together at a club called Why Dad. <laughs> Why Dad Casablanca. A Moroccan club. That's just a lovely little touch, you know. You couldn't that's an enjoyable bit of history. Right. Uh the final thing and maybe the most significant. Uh we we went out of the the Carabao Cup to Fulham midweek. Uh a pretty well, I what did you make of the game? Because I, I think my sort of overall my overarching feeling was that we did okay, especially with the squad mm. with the team we had out. Uh, but it's a, it's always a bit dis- it's disappointing to lose regardless of the circumstances. But I didn't think we let ourselves down. I just thought we'd kind of come up against a better well, opposition. It it kind of felt like I mean, but this is a difficult thing with the Carabao Cup is like we never really know how. There's no commonplace mentality that we're all taking this seriously, right? No, like it's not a competition like the Champions League which is so revered that you know that effectively every team that's coming into that is going to put their best 11 out. But then on the kind of flip side of this, you're not going to look at this and say this is a very distinct second string. Because, I mean, the weird thing for Fulham was, I mean, this is a different way to look at it. Like, their second 11 is miles better than our second 11, basically. Well, I I thought, actually, my first thought looking at their starting lineup is their second 11 is pretty much the team that beat us 5-2 at the tail end of the season. Like, they're just, yeah, more or less, <laughs> they've left those players behind and bought in new players. Exactly. And then, But then looking at that from that comparison as well, like, I mean, I was looking at the lineup and the first thing I actually thought was actually beyond this. I thought actually this seems a bit more like a, you know, a first 11 for Fulham because there were, there were six players that were involved in from the game previously who I kind of counted. I mean, including substitutions as well. So three of those were subs, I'd like to add. But I mean, out of the 14 that played, six had played, to some extent, the previous Premier League game. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't really expect such a strong lineup from Fulham. I knew it would be a tough game. I mean, maybe all the, the praises that we sung for the previous Carabao Cup victory against you know, against Rochdale were really mm. kind of brought to light the fact that, you know, we were playing against a lower league opposition. And this is a team that were, we came up against. And even when they're in the championship, we knew that they had a lot of quality. And um, I think the the one major change from the team that played Rochdale, much as it's it's nice to see another youngster kind of, you know, another, another angel in their wings in, uh, in Waldock starting... Mm. I thought losing the quality and vision of Alex Hunt actually was a big difference yes. between the two games and the mm. two performances. Because uh, he, he, I thought Hunt really stood out in the Rochdale game and maybe he would have struggled against Fulham because obviously, as we touched on, it's much better opposition. But we didn't. it just didn't feel like we had anybody that had that kind of ability to pick their head up and and play that pass that actually goes past the nearest man yeah. and, and make something happen or, or go past the first defender and look at the, you know, look at the possibilities, maybe take a shot. We just didn't have that in our, in our locker. And it, it told, I think we felt pretty toothless despite the fact we held our own for the most part. Um, but yeah, two nil loss, two disappointing goals to concede. I thought the, yeah. the first one was uh, to be, to be honest, I, I think, it really makes you worry about where where Burner is because mm. 
he was blaming uh, Shoei, uh because he put his hand up for the first goal. So the, um, the eventual goal scorer was in an offside position and Shaw put his hand up. But Berner was actually further back and could see that Knockhart was running on and would get the ball. But Berner seemed to like react to it even slower than than Shaw and then and then blame Shaw for putting his hand up. Just was a strange um it's a strange sort of situation. So it was a bad goal to concede in that it was just a simple long ball through through between the two centre backs or two of the three centre backs and, yeah. and we never recovered. And the second goal was similarly pretty poor in that we let Onomar basically just tur- tur- turn under very little pressure in the box and pick his pass. And again, Berner, I don't know what he was doing. Reed was his man. And, mm. and he, Reed seemed to run all the way around him to get to the chance. And Berner just didn't react. So he just was watching the ball and went to sleep, presumably. Yeah. Um, which, that's that's what's disappointing in these performances. Because actually, I thought Pelopesi stepped up and was probably one of our better performers on the day which is what you want those senior pros to do he he just absolutely didn't uh, unfortunately he's that he, he was he looked like the weakest link at the three in the previous in, in the Rochdale performance and he definitely was the weakest link by a, by a distance in, in mm-hmm. uh, performance midweek um which is it, it makes things feel very thin because there's games like I mean today Van, a- Van Aken took a heck of a knock and I thought clearly was affected by it second half, but our only replacement for him on that left side of defence is Burner. So if if we've lost faith in Burner, which seems to have happened to an extent, our options are really very very thin. Yes, and well, that's the problem of now being in this position of playing three centre backs. Is that oh, it's like so the mentality is kind of a bit like to follow up with oh, so we have a bunch of centre backs. It's like well, no, we don't. No. So. You know, again, the disappointment of being like, well, why are we playing with three centre backs? Because it doesn't work with two centre backs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just wondering what foot Dunkley predominantly plays. Did I you think or kind of did. see any kind of great positives from the performance? I mean, I, I'm kind of glad to be done with the Carabao Cup. I've liked this kind of format, I must say, within this kind of period of having the quick kind of su- succession games. Yeah. I mean, the League Cup is seemingly, despite the fact the last piece of silverware we've won as the football club, you know, very much kind of considered, you know, a bothersome fly of a cup competition. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is not the first time we've been, we've put out a weaker team than the Premier League opposition who are supposed to not care about the competition. It happens yeah. pretty much every year. I'm always just waiting for us to be drawn against a team like Fulham in the Cups where they're a Premier League team of little note, no excitement. It's yeah. not gonna get it's not gonna be shown on TV, but they're good enough to beat us pretty handily. Yes, um, exactly. Yes. It just seems to be the the tale over and over. I'm sure that it's the same for many clubs at our level. You're just waiting to play, yeah, at Fulham or Everton or West Ham or whatever. Um in terms of bright sparks I still quite like Odebadjo on that on that left flank. I think mm. he's kind of boundless energy and he's almost got a sort of puppy dog enthusiasm about him in that position. Uh, so I still kind of like that. I, I, I did I did think I did think Pelopesi had a fairly good controlled performance. 
I didn't think Shaw or Brennan let themselves down really. But uh, there was nothing that stood out for me. I don't think. Mm-hmm. What, what did you think of uh, you know debut kid Liam Waldock? Just just fine. Um, <laughs> it sort of reminded me of Shaw being in the middle. Like he didn't do anything wrong, but he also didn't do anything particularly good. Like did, I think it's okay for young players to have a performance where they just don't make any mistakes. That's but that, he didn't have any of those extra moments. That's what I was saying about Hunt, and that's the, what's missing is Hunt has got that mind to just take that little bit longer. I don't need to just move the ball on because you can almost hear with young players, it's like just don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. Just just mm. pass it. Keep it simple. Don't make a mistake. Don't be the one that gives the ball away, which is absolutely fine. I can I can totally sympathise. <laughs> We've all been in that situation at times in our lives where we're just like, just you don't be the one where things mm-hmm. fall down. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, it's a perfectly fine way to, to kind of work your way into things. It's just I didn't see any signs that he's got that little extra level of, of hunt. Um Hagen seemed to be. Uh, I know he only had a few brief minutes on the pitch, but he seemed to. He seems to have a knack of kind of the ball finding him in certain situations. Which, if he can keep a bit of composure, will be a nice a nice knack to have. I don't know whether it's um, time spent watching somebody like Jordan Rhodes, but quite often good strikers actually it's not the movement necessarily. It's it's the kind of positioning. You know, they're they're in the place where the ball is likely to end up and that's why they, they're able to then poke the poke that shot away. And he did have a little moment where that happened, but um he got overexcited and kind of fell over his feet a little bit. But um yeah. So a disappointing midweek game and I think let's, you know, naturally we can roll into a disappointing weekend game. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, we talked about this last week. Um, we thought maybe that the draw at Watford might be the opportunity to have a bit of a refresh of things, which we weren't able to. Uh, well, we rewarded the the players that got the win at, Car- at Cardiff with keeping their places. And then the draw at Watford, we took the opportunity to make a couple of changes. So Palmer came in for Penny, which meant that Harris went back across to that left flank. And then Kachunga sort of unsurprisingly came in for Rhodes. Um, it seemed sensible, the starting lineup to me. I, uh, what did you think? I thought it was good. Um, <clears throat> I was a little sad to see Penny out of the picture. Um, yeah. But I get it, and I, I do prefer Palmer in that wing back position. And it's also nice to see pa- this is Palmer's first league debut of the season because, you know, after that kind of disruption with um, him getting the international call-up, you know, he's just yeah. been kind of within that kind of League Cup kind of spot, really. Outside, outside looking in. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see how Windest and Kachunga did together up front. Um, but it, I think, again, from talking about what, how, what the League Cup game was midweek, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wish we had another recognised fit centre-back to replace Burner on the bench. You know, I, I think it would be nice if he went away for a short period of time, which is a really awful thing to say, no. given our situation, seeing that we've got Dunkley, but he's still building up his fitness, coming back from injury effectively. We've I'm not entirely sure. He's out this week, apparently. So I yeah. wonder how far away he is. It's gonna, it feels like it's going to be a, a bit of time. It might be, I know, it might be like post-international break, I guess. By the time we next see him, Do you, so I mean, we can go. We'll, we naturally sort of tend to go through 
incidents as they happened. But mm-hmm. I'd, when do you want to talk about what you th- about your thoughts on that pairing up top? Do you want to save that till later and kind of do an overall piece? Yeah, of we can do that. I mean, I, I really just to finish off the point on Julian Berner. Um, maybe you could go fishing wearing some extravagant outfit and then go home and watch his beloved Only Fools and Horses with a nuanced contemplation. A bit of, a bit of reflective time for him, would I think would work. Yeah, yeah. wow. Um, so, a bit well, of maybe the... Maybe he just endlessly thumb the pony in his pocket, maybe. <laughs> I'm just imagining him like watching, re- watching and rewatching the moment where Del Boy falls through the bar, and the first time laughing loads, but then like he's watched it ten times and actually it's kind of worn off. You know, you know almost like a Stuart, <laughs> Lee, a Stuart Lee gag where he just says the same thing again and again, yes, and it gets yes. like annoying and uh, like agitating, and then comes back round to being funny again, and he's just like. Yeah, just like dead behind the eyes, just like playing it again and again until it becomes funny again to him. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, Julian. <laughs> but so today's game, I thought we started really well. Um, five minutes in, there was a really good cross from from Palmer that mm. Harris sort of passed up. With, uh, but if, he, if he'd got anything on it, it would have been a really decent chance. Um, just there was there was a few really nice passes passages of play. I thought the midfield was really active in like trying to pinch the ball high up, you know, deep in their 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 territory, and that produced some some nice moments. Sort of twelve minutes in, we had uh, the ball that was sort of Brown and Kachunga combined. Harris nicked the ball, played it into Brown, and he sort of combined with Kachunga. They found Bannon. Bannon played a great through ball for Kachunga, but he, mm-hmm. he couldn't get to it before the keeper got out to it. And I thought, I, th- I thought he'd their keeper did a really good job several times of that kind of sweeper. Ben- Bentley really nipped a lot of our chances in the bud before they had a chance to become anything, mm-hmm. uh, and that was that was maybe a bit of a sign of things to come. Um, we did the same set piece routine that Wickham scored from against Bristol City uh, on the fifteenth minute. Uh, but unfortunately, the cross was not as good, and neither was the header. <laughs> so it was a pretty yeah. easy save. Um, just yeah, I mean, a plethora really. The first twenty-five minutes or so, lot, several chances. It felt like we were dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, Harris did Harris, but again, it was very well saved and, and held by Bentley. Yes, uh, that was a sort of twenty-four minute mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I wrote down and I, I said this. You know, is this a dangerous thing to say? I'm enjoying the game. Uh, we look mm-hmm. engaged and in control. And and mm-hmm. um, as I've talked about, I'm the littlest hobo of uh, of EFL streaming, and uh, ended up ended up listening to the Bristol commentary, and they were very sort of complimentary about the way that we were playing that first half. Um, I just wish that maybe tomorrow you'd want to settle down, Rich. <laughs> but until tomorrow. I'll t- so I this is where I first made a note about Kachunga and Windass mm. that I just I just felt they weren't having much of an impact on the game. Yeah, they just felt like they were on the edges of things all the time. <clears throat> I don't know whether they were trying to do as we did so successfully against QPR. They were trying to sort of get played in behind and make the space for that to happen. But it didn't feel like there was a lot of room in behind that defence. I thought they kept they kept a pretty deep 
defensive line and there wasn't really those opportunities and when and as i say when we managed to get anything over the top generally the keeper was out quick enough to to stop it turning into anything um the next thing i've got is that 42 minutes that kachunga sort of they um bristol city had a night were having yeah. a nice spell of, of possession <laughs> i think it was martin was sort of working his way towards the box and i offered dispossessed him uh the ball got played up the right flank and Kachunga did really really well to keep it in played in a really good cross to the front post yes. uh, but that's his volley just sort of like went straight up in the air and and straight out of play uh but it it, it felt like a matter of time I thought in the first half before we mm-hmm. we might get a chance that that was you know worthy of a, a finish or, or or you know somehow kind of cobble together a, a move and- that made a goal and I mean, it completely looked like that was going towards what it was. I mean, that, that was a decent first half performance. You know, I, I felt that even though Bristol was second to the game and second to the ball a lot of the time, I felt that they were still the ones kind of setting the pace. But I, I felt a little bit like against Watford last week. Yeah. We we matched them and it looked yes. like we had more of a handle on the game than they did. And <laughs> yeah, good performance. You know, you're there thinking it's getting a touch frustrating with not creating any kind of great clear chances or not having the kind of now so quality in the final third to you know create a moment of real quality yeah you know it, it felt i mean that was such a brilliant cross from kachunga for the chance yes for, for windows just at the death of the you know first half but i was there thinking i know it was tough and i know it was a quick ball i know it's difficult when the ball's getting whipped in like that and you're kind of trying to just stretch to get on the end of it but it it felt it felt like a bad connection. It know? did. It did. Yeah. Feels like it, it felt like he should have done better than he did with it. Yes. And it, I think he sort of he'd isolated his man enough that he maybe didn't even need to take it first time. I don't know. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's very easy to be wise after the event. Um, we could almost make that the subtitle of the subtitle of the podcast. Uh, wise after the event. Um, I thought the, the, the just on the cusp of halftime, forty-five minutes was where the significant. I thought a very significant moment in retrospect was when Patterson absolutely did Van Aken uh, and rightly got a yellow card, despite the fact he moaned uh, pretty mm. continuously for five minutes afterwards. Um, he clearly caused quite a severe damage with 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 uh, the kick that he he did on 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 van aken because he, he had a huge amount of strapping on his thigh and then after half time he had even more strapping on his thigh and yeah. i thought from that point on was really struggling with his movement i thought he sort of the sort of walking wounded aspect um probably played quite a big part in what trend what sort of transpired in the second half yeah. um looking back at it because he he clearly was not able to to move as as freely as he he would normally do and would like to um but yeah first half marginally the better team didn't look troubled particularly by them no it it felt like if somebody was going to make a chance it would be us and then unfortunately this is a bit of a it's a bit of a wednesday trait but it's also quite a monkey trait um (laughs) We came out like we'd forgotten that there was another 45 minutes of football that we had to play. <laughs> monkey trait. Oh, okay. I didn't know whether the, the monkey trait you were going to bring up was uh, we shat in our hand and we threw it. <laughs> was that what you were getting at there, Rich? We used we used the uh, we used the frog as a um, self pleasuring device. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it is nature's flashlight, isn't it, a frog? So. 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love uh, I love those moments where I take it. I think probably to the line, maybe it passed the line a little bit, and then you just <laughs> I just poof I just poof it over the line. Yeah. It was a bit like, so some of the fun kind of, let's kind of keep this a little bit fun and positive because it's going to get pretty dank and dour from here on in while we go into the second half. Did you see the, um, I think, you know, Joe Cran, the Wednesday journalist for the star, um, put up a, I don't know who put it together, but it was a little compilation of Patterson celebrating. No. And all these kind of terrible goal celebrations and some of the other fun, (laughs) silly things he does. Like, I think there was a game where Cardiff scored. I can't remember who scored for Cardiff, but they did the whole um, cartwheel and backflip. And then Patterson follows it up and he tries it and then it just it just fails miserably. You know, it's just, it's just this little kind of pathetic little role. So, but regards to what you were saying, Rich, since you haven't seen this, I'll just describe it. There's one time where Cardiff score and it's not uh, Patterson, but Patterson runs in and double leg kicks the ball while it's already in the net. <laughs> so it's a little bit like that, I guess, really. I just want to make sure it was a goal, Rich. That was all. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'll have to look that out. I'll have to look at that video. It's uh, pretty we could put it pop it in the show notes, I guess. I think people yeah. probably, I imagine people have seen it already, but if you haven't then uh it's oh, pretty fun. There's this music on that video. I found the video. You found it. Oh that's good. Oh, okay. Quite a full on dance for the first one. There's <laughs> a few night fever. Okay. He loves to celebrate. Before we get into this podcast being a reaction to Rich's reaction to that video, let's uh let's talk about this second half of football. Oh if we must, if we must. So, you know, football is a, a game of two halves, as it you know, I think it's maybe been said once before. Ooh. Um <laughs> So I know that Bristol City came out and were probably upset with their performance and improved. But I, just as a question, Rich, I don't see why another team improves that we forget everything that we did right in the first half and then just completely regress to... We regress to a past life, and the past life was last the end of last season, effectively. I think what happened... Well, so my reading of it... And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, this is all too common, so... I've, you know, we've we've seen enough of it to build up opinion. To me, it feels like we go in having slightly edged the first half and having that that feeling of inevitably we'll get the chance that sco- that we'll score, and we get pat is pats on the back all round. Well done, lads. More of the same. You do, you know, you're the better team. It's just gonna yeah. just it'll just take time. And they co- go in and get a rocket, and we it's like we don't consider the fact that they can be better than they were in the first half. And we're mm. completely surprised about it to the point where we don't recover from the surprise for a full 45 minutes. <laughs> Do you think halftime is always a, a game of uh, 4D rocket chess? Rich? 4D rocket chess, yeah. But, but it's like, I think it's like the games like today, we're at like six and a half and they're at six. And it's like, we go in and go, oh, six and a half is enough today, guys. Yeah. We absolutely got this in the bag. And when they come out and play a seven, we'll just like lose our minds and we're entirely unprepared for it. Mm. And essentially what happened today was an option that we do not have available to us. 
but they went long. We've always struck. We always struggle with Naki Wells. We always struggle with Chris Martin. And what did they do? They just drowned those two in the ball. We did what we always do against those two and just lose our minds. And that that meant that anybody from their midfield that bothered to go forward could have a pot shot at our goal mm. because three of our all three centre backs were spending their time on two men that played for Bristol City. Because Van Aken and Lees always needed to be together to deal with Chris Martin or, or Nicky Naki Wells and, and I also was on the other one. It's <laughs> it's very frustrating. I don't I'd like to think it's not as simple as that, but it the you know, the kind of the levels thing. But it, that's what it feels like. And it as I say, it's it's something that has happened so many times under Monk that we've had that first half where it's like, yeah. That was all right, not great, but we were better than them. And then the second half, we're stuck in the mud and can't do yeah. anything. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, five minutes of kind of feeling each other out again at the start of the second half, and then it was just chance after chance for Bristol City for sort of 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I thought the 54th minute, I, you know, we they had a free kick and then yeah. uh, Dawson made, I thought, quite a decent kind of reaction stop from it Dawson. Good, it was a good stop, yeah. Again, it that ended, was good. It ended up at the penalty spot, but it it, it seemed was a weird. To it also, did you notice? Like, I think the fifty seventh minute, I've just made a very kind of aberrant Luke comment, as I usually do on these this podcast. But it was the longest throw in, I think, for Bristol City ever. So we mm. wasted time, and then they seemed to waste time also. Yeah. So it seemed like we were all a bit weary this afternoon at that point. Like it seemed like we were tired. It seemed like Bristol City were tired. Can I, I can I just weirdly bring up because I mean, so I'm just to really break a Fabian on this podcast. But <laughs> so the frustration with this game is the game's been moved by a day because essentially that meant because it was because Bristol City played Villa on Thursday. The reason why Bristol City played Villa on Thursday is because they moved it because Villa played the pigs last monday right okay so it's this constant chain reaction of we can't have two days to play another game but then i don't understand that because i mean we have squad football it's not the same yeah especially aston villa they're not going to give two figs about the you know the the um the carabao cup no effectively so i'm surprised that that's a thing so why does everything have to keep getting pushed backwards and then the kickoff time at 1 p.m so I, I think I made a, maybe a small mini kind of revelation for myself, which may not be a revelation for anyone else, not even the listeners or, but was it probably decided that we would go away to Bristol because it's, it's a bit of a jaunt from, from Sheffield from mm. where the players are based, you know, to 1 PM so they can get back so then they can get back on the road and everyone kind of gets back. Probably, you know, so players can have the Monday off. I imagine, I imagine they were in doing a bit, a bit of training yesterday, traveled down game today you're back late monk probably gives them monday off you know but it's just it's just 1 p.m on sunday because we we initially rich and i were thinking oh it's on sky i'm like no it's not on sky so then i had the delight of having to go through and use i follow and the thing that annoys me about that is like i knew i had to come do this i wanted to come and as i always try and do i always want to try and come and try and be focused and try and have a good conversation with you, try and be focused, try and try and make this as entertaining as I can. 
for myself and hopefully for other people as well. <laughs> I'm trying to give focus to this as well. And because it's on just I follow, I have to watch it live to do this because otherwise I have to go to the website where the website will tell me the result. So I can't watch it kind of spoiler free anywhere else. Right. Yeah. So that's why I've been up since 10 to five this morning. Yeah. It's, 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 it's rubbish anyway, but it's particularly, yeah, particularly rubbish. For but yourself. we also we never do well it with the well, Sunday, it? Sunday lunchtime games in the UK. Yeah. Lunchtime kickoff. It just, it never goes well for us. I mean, I was thinking about this in terms of time. We don't do well midweek in the evenings. <laughs> <laughs> the only time we sometimes do well is Saturday 3 p.m. kickoffs. And then, you know, but it's, it's, it's weirdly it's a, like Friday nights. I think we do okay. Interesting. Friday night lights. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. The promise of an extra day off. Uh, Maybe that's it. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's a wonder that Wednesday ever win, seeing as we don't play well when it's it's midweek or a different time on on the weekend. We uh, we don't we always lose to a team that hasn't won for a while, but we also never beat a team that's on a winning streak. We <laughs> all these all these uh, all these caveats over our over our matches it's a wonder we ever get any points uh, <laughs> i mean sheffield wednesday is a very finickety mistress i just i feel them maybe react like you know i was trying to sleep in my my room in the early morning and then for some reason i've got um you know much like um a wrestling ring and my cat has gone up to the corner and he's just doing a series of flying elbow drops into my testicles <laughs> You know, that, that's kind of how I'm reacting. But that's also feels a little bit like, um, you know, this is this is our foul, foul finickety mistress of Sheffield Wednesday. This is what she's doing. She's getting me up early in the morning to just punch me in the balls, really. <laughs> like, I was really hoping for something positive to come into this. And this second half was just absolute. It was abject. It was dire. We yeah, just, we just... But we couldn't string two passes together, as I feel like mm-hmm. I've I, you know, I've seen from I think um, Neil Cowles was saying that on Twitter. I was just. I think in particular, Bannon had a terrible second half. I don't yeah. remember seeing him get caught in possession quite so often. Mm. Uh, and it, that seemed to be again. They just made a few simple tweaks, and we didn't seem to have any answers. No. And obviously, you're looking at our bench, and there's nothing inspiring on the bench. But no. but but you can. They didn't change anything at halftime. They didn't change players. But what they did was drop Chris Martin a bit deeper. And he was essentially sort of sat on Bannon. Bannon came deep to get space and Mm. had the ball nicked off him by Chris Martin again and again. He got out-muscled at at, at throw-ins. It was just... I just don't know why we can't... It's like we've had the good idea, having watched the tape, it's, but then I don't know how good he is at reacting in the moment, Monk. Those no. on-the-fly changes seem to catch us out more often than we do. That's true. That's true. The yeah. tricks position. Um, but they, so Bannon got there was a throw into Bannon that uh, he got the ball nicked off him, and that, that was another nearly, nearly goal at 58 minutes. And then at 59 minutes, they did eventually score. Um, We'd sort of started to let Martin win the ball by this stage, but we hadn't cottoned on to the fact that that actually means we need to tackle this for the second ball. You can't let them win the mm. first 
then watch where it lands and then try and defend. But uh, Martin got a completely free header as Van Aken watched him nod it down in the middle of our box. And then Tom Lees watched Rowe run past him, score, and then looked around for somebody to blame. He looked around with his palms up like it was somebody else's fault when it was absolutely his fault. Mm. And that is why you're not the captain anymore, Tom. <laughs> absolutely, in your case in point, the dereliction of duty and then looking around for somebody who you can shout at for it, that is not, does you not know, captain make. You know, the thing that's really kind of frustrating is the fact that looking into actually... So there was an interview early on this week with Tom Lees mm. about his reaction from being dropped from the captaincy. And in terms of PR pieces, it was fantastic. It was everything. It seemed like a very measured, purposeful response and everything that we need. And I really enjoyed what Gary Monk had to say in regards to that as well. Yeah. So you had that and you thought, right, these are human beings. These are men. And we talked previously about that moment from the Warsaw penalty kick where we talked about Cameron Dawson very much seems like an athlete and he seems like a man up against this gangly teenager who's been um, yes. really just been dragged out of his room from playing Fortnite to uh, <laughs> play in that for, for Walsall. That seemed like the situation, really. Maybe he was caught mid-masturbation. Who knows? <laughs> it, it didn't seem like a good time for this Wals- for this poor, this poor lad representing Walsall in the net. And I saw an interview from the beginning of the season, which was like the great work that the Sheffield Wednesday media team has done to open things up and to make mm-hmm. things accessible with having yeah. people there. And I really liked there was a moment where Dawson was kind of <laughs> at the age of 24, 25 now, being the elder statesman of the goalkeepers. Yes. And he was, I don't know if you saw that video, but he was kind of cajoling and bringing Josh in. Josh Render, yes. Joshy. And it yes. seemed like a very kind of big brother vibe. Yes. And you have these moments of thinking, yes, these 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 players are men, but then all of that has just regressed. They have all just looked like they're in a state of arrested development, effectively. They look like a series of boys. And they all do different impressions of chickens. Yeah. And <laughs> I just kind of want to go with a very kind of because, you know, prior coming to this podcast, podcast uh, Rich and I were doing a little chat before we, you know, commenced. And Rich mentioned that this could be cathartic. And to go down that line, I mean, to look at kind of therapy, to look at Carl Jung, we were shadow sh- selves of ourselves, <laughs> effectively. And, you know, past life regressions, that's also there. Um, it's just a lot of acting like, you know, children who've been traumatized. In that, uh, in that defense. You're listening to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. Come for the chippy chat. Stay for the Jungian analysis. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it just wasn't. I, I mean, I don't know how much we want to go because this is depressing. The second half was really depressing. I, just, I wouldn't was, say about that goal. Well. Another, thing, another observation I made about the goal. The first goal. Mm. I said that goal because I felt like it really should have just been one goal, really. Because I, 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 it felt for a lot like for a lot of this before we can see the second at the death. Like it felt like the thing that I was going to come on to this and be positive about was saying we're we're Sheffield Wednesday with Sheffield Wednesday under Gary Monk. Sheffield Wednesday games under Gary Monk against by fine margins 
when we yes. do it well. And yes. I could have accepted being like, it just didn't fall for us in the final third today, you know, we're spirited, but it, it, it wasn't that. It actually just, we just fell apart today. And the thing I want to say about our first goal was it felt like, even though it was open play, it felt like it was something they practiced on the training ground, but it was almost like something we'd never seen on a training ground. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like it's a bit like, oh, wait, you know, they can get a big man to knock it down and then someone pops yeah. in on the run and tidies it away. Yeah. Dawson looked like he'd been shot for that. Like, I he, don't, his I reaction what, was poor. I don't know what he was doing, really. That no. was a. And it I mean, broke my heart because before that, I was fast forwarding to what we can talk about today. And I wanted to say prior to that, Dawson, I was going to skip, you know, thinking Dawson's going to get a clean sheet and we're going to give him a seven. He's going to have three clean sheets, you know, this season so far. Well, it would have been four if it mm. would have been today. Would have been first league game, win against Cardiff, great clean sheet at home in a hard one point against Watford. Um, you know, that first day dower game against against walsall yes. being a penalty hero and i thought he was going to come to four and we're going to be i was going to be like crikey we've been very well drilled we don't ever need to see cameron dawson at his dark side and he's gonna get like a golden glove for wednesday and he's gonna kind of push kieran westwood for that clean sheet and then suddenly i'm like no no all of that's just gone with everything the <clears throat> the duct tape has worn off and yeah, it you know the whole chassis's fallen off this car. <laughs> it, it, this that, that's the this week is a big task in building that confidence up again because mm. this I, I sort of mentioned we had that moment last uh, against Watford where it was it was uh, the old Tom Lees nodding it down for their striker and. Really, Murray should have done much better with that chance. And again, mm. today was like, yeah, I know these guys. These guys are Van Aken and uh, Tom Lees. They play for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and this is what they do. And we can't sort of... And same with Dawson, you know. I'm not... I think it would be churlish. It would be mean-spirited to blame him for either of the goals. And yeah, uh, this is often the case. I'm not... He, there is no blame, really, to be placed with Dawson. But you cannot shape watching a game like today where their goalkeeper plays that sweeper-keeper role so well. And there were, there were chan- Wednesday had half chances today that were no- nothing. We won't talk about them. They're not worth bothering with because their goalkeeper was off his line, dealt with it, no fuss. He, he held the ball when it was a, t- a tame shot. You know, all these things are should be kind of givens we cannot rely on them being givens because we are not we will not get that extra layer of security from our keeper if he is exposed it's going to be a goal and it's the same for both yeah. of them. um and it, yeah that's the thing it's it's the veneer the, the 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 kind of castle built on sand that confidence always is but when you go from the tail end of last season well the second half of last season that we had into mm. this season <clears throat> More so than ever, the confidence is you're you're building something on very very shaky foundations, mm-hmm. and today, it, yeah, it was like that it had all been washed away, and it was just back to the bare bones of yeah, we're not very confident, are we? We're not, you know, this is a house of cards in terms of how the defense works. They're only as good as the amount they're tested, and if they're not tested, they look fine. But if they are 
pressured in any way. If you can get through our layers, the the front line defending, you know, pressing and nicking the ball up the field. If you can get through Bannon making tackles, Luongo did so much in that. Luongo in the first half must have mm. made six or seven big big tackles. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much he faded or, or what changed with his role because he just wasn't there the second half. Mm. Um, Bannon sat deeper out of the two and is not good at that job. He's not good at holding back the tide when a team is pressuring us. Um, but like, yeah, once you break through the, the attack in the midfield, get you get a chance to get at that defence. It's all very shaky and crumbly and, and pretty easy to, to, to work through. Um it's just a shame that that's been exposed so early on. And I, yeah, as I say, big, big work to do in the, in the week to try and get everybody feeling, you know, a pep in their step again mm. forward. The subs all just felt scattergun. I didn't feel like any of them would no. make a difference. No, no, it, it um, felt like. Fizzy came on for Izzy. Reach came on for Kachunga. Uh, Kachunga, I don't think it touched the ball <clears> for <throat> minutes by the time he came off. I don't think he did anything mm. in the second half. Um, Reach came on and didn't do anything either, so that was a like for like sub. Um, Rhodes came on for Palmer. We were really rolling the dice and put Reach into left wing back, but nothing, nothing happened. We didn't make mm. half chances. I think there was one nice. Just, the, the, yeah, the, the only one yeah. I kind of noted, you know, I, I did note that a little ball over the top for Bash- Delhi Bashiru. Yes, exactly. And we had that moment of like, if I, I, I wondered if he'd have pulled the trigger sooner. Mm. It's, it's one of those where like, I don't know if it's ever a confidence thing. And I'm, I'm sure I've been there and I've played football so I can relate myself, which is a terrible thing to say because he's a professional football player. <laughs> and I, you know, I've played football like, I don't know, 1% of the amount of they've played football. You know, yes, or less than a percent. But like, I've had that moment where I think, oh, if I can only get this onto X foot in this position, yeah. But you just, you're never going to get that opportunity, and it, it just, a... it felt like he should have pulled the trigger sooner. I'm going to be honest. I think it was unfortunate because I think, I think he took a really good touch, like the the knee, the sort of or the thigh mm. touch, really caught their defender out. But it almost caught him out. I think he caught it too well with that touch. And it bounced too far ahead of him to get it, anything on it. And right. once again, once again, uh, Bentley was out like a, you know, like a rocket. And, and that's another opportunity that if he stands at his near post and waits to see what happens, I think Bashiru gets a shot or a pass away. But the fact that he's out there and on it meant it nothing really came of it it's a half chance it's a sniff at goal rather than being a proper chance um yeah I, fe- I sort of felt for him a bit in that situation i thought it wasn't like a lack of composure it just was his touch was just slightly slightly off and that he couldn't quite then get a shot away um just so i didn't want to make the um the didn't want to make the awful joke that maybe we heard that there was the virus around the goal mouth so we isolated from that for hey. few weeks boom boom yeah. <laughs> One thing I noticed that was strange. This is it's apropos of nothing, and it, I don't think it had much of an impact. But I wonder if it's something we'd noticed in the tape. Uh, but we we were really scrupulously marking the throw-in taker at throw-ins, like really? we were making sure to have them so that that man didn't go free after taking the throw-in. And I guess maybe Bristol City, their sort of usual thing is you just 
knock it back to the guy that's taken the throw in and they pass it or whatever because normally they they are free of a marker um but it, you know it, it didn't seem to help us at all but it was just an interesting <laughs> thing to note that we were, we were always sort of marking the the throw in taker um that brings us on to if you i mean th- there was a harris shot that where he sort of crunched into hunt as well uh interestingly the the bristol commentator said Jack Hunt's not the sort of player to go down if he's not injured. And my t- my memory of his time at Wednesday is he went down with a uh, you know air 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 quotes serious injury every single game. Did Jack Hunt? <laughs> do you do you have share that memory, Luke, at all? I don't quite. I'm going to be honest with you, no? but uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I don't disbelieve it you. There was always a scare, like he was carrying an injury. Uh. It just like every game he'd go down for like four or five minutes and need the physios like chesting out his ligaments and things like that um anyway the 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 goal uh, their their second goal came from a throw-in and it was remarkably similar in some ways to the goal that we conceded uh second against fulham and it's a goal i think we we fairly regularly give up chances in that position it's a throw-in that is level with the area or or closer to our goal we we don't mark up properly we never mark up properly from throw-ins i don't know what it is throw-ins is a a wednesday trait we do not we never mark up properly and we never give more than one option to the person taking a throw-in when it when the boots on the other foot but we let so we we mark the people closest they throw it slightly further and Mm. we're completely freaked out by that so the player gets the chance to chest the ball down, control it with a Wednesday player behind them, but not able to foul them. In this case, Bashiru really, I mean, pretty much did foul uh, Chris Martin, but Chris Martin was big enough and strong enough to still work the ball into a teammate. And then from there, um, a bit like uh, our defensive throw-ins in these cases is a bit like when you play risk, you know, your front line, you've got, lots of armies but everything behind it is just one so if you can get past that first guy <laughs> there's no defense at all really you get a free run on goal you get a cross where there's a tap in if you're fulham in midweek and in this case if you're patterson you get to run right across the front of the goal and pick your spot in the far corner uh yeah depressing mm. uh disappointing uh that was pretty any, much any other words you want to use to describe it <laughs> um distasteful uh, <laughs> despicable. Uh, uh, no, so I, I think that the thing that the the extra layer on the on the sadness cake of today is is the familiarity of the defeat and the the yeah. of defeat because that could have been last season. I think that was what was nice. People, you know, coming out of the Watford game was, and I maybe tend to agree is the positivity of that is that that's the sort of game there's a good chance we would have let the goal in late and and actually lost it having played pretty well and that felt like oh maybe we are a bit better maybe we are in a better mm. place today was just like if this was last season this is what would have happened yeah although disappointingly with the weirdness of the the restart and the short preseason Actually, we were only here about six weeks ago, and we did them over. So it's it's more depressing because we did a number on them actually last season, and mm. this season they did a number on us. Mm. Um, yeah, 
I think until a new arrival or arrivals comes, maybe I maybe I want Rhodes up top. I don't know. The problem the problem I think there is I I kind of agree with you, which I don't think is the problem. <laughs> the problem I'm gonna say is um, no, it's always a problem when you agree with me. I think it, it shows that there's something deeply wrong when I agree with you, Rich. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um it's a bit more of a do you think Rhodes gives us a bit more of a, a semblance of a formation up top? That's what it is. Today it just felt like they weren't where they where you'd expect them to be, but they also weren't in useful positions. Mm. You know, like if if they were if it was like, oh, they're not in the middle, because these are not real strikers, they're you know, clever false nine second striker types. Yeah. But they're in this clever pocket of space. Yeah. That's one thing. But today it was just like no, instead of hiding behind the defender in the middle, we're hiding behind other defenders. Um, and it mm. became a bit of where's Windass when players looked up from, I, from midfield. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, I think Rhodes right now, has the discipline to stay in the middle. He knows how, what he's supposed to do. I think the, the mind is willing. He has the knowledge, the tactical discipline. He just at the, you know, doesn't have the physical ability so much. But maybe it's you know a bit meatloafy and two out of three ain't bad in 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 this case sorry <laughs> i cut across you there apologies no no it's fine i yeah i i no i, I actually agree with you rich again terrible terrible i know <laughs> the world must be ending i don't know who you are but you're a real dead ringer for rich <laughs> <laughs> do we want to do we want to do some player ratings is that where the catharsis comes Sure, let's do that. I mean, we've—I guess we've done it for every other podcast, so we should do it for this one, right? Oh, but one of one of these days. One that of these second goal days. was absolute garbage, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Okay. Cam the man, Dawson. Mild save, Cammy, Rosette, Edson, Cameron, Dawson. <laughs> what else did we call him from last week? Oh, there was Dawson's Cattery. Dawson's but... Cattery, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's like weirdly, I'd say. I've got to give him a six. It's it's yeah. to kind of go back what we're talking about with Dawson. It's like the the problem is he's not good enough, and he won't be good enough to be a keeper of someone like Westwood standard. Where at his yeah. prime, we're like he's going to keep. Did he save that? Yeah, how did he save that? He's going to make points. You know, he is going to. Yeah. You know, instead of Cattery, he's going to be um, having points. It's going to be a pointery. You know, it's not it's not Kieran's pointery. <laughs> no. You know, it's not Cammy's pointery. Um, but you know, in this, in this world of kind of like chain reactions and butterfly effects and, um, you know, everything that's happened before kind of, kind of influences everything else that kind of goes forward in the world mm. from a very kind of, uh, philosophical perspective. I feel like, here's the thing. I, I feel like it's, it's kind of a bit like a documentary about <laughs> someone who's a serial killer. <laughs> And they have that bit where they reveal that they were abused as children. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And and everybody kind of goes, oh, so that's why he's a terrible human being. Yeah. And so what I'm using in that regards, is, there's two things. There's, there's a thing of like, that person has had a terrible and shitty upbringing. But also the next thing is they still have the responsibility to not be an awful human being, to not be an absolute monster. So in regards to Sheffield Wednesday, Cameron Dawson is not helped by his defense, but he still has the responsibility, do better. Well, well, 
That was such a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. It's me, Rick. This is why we do podcasts that, like, uh, you know, people give us nice feedback and be like, well, if you want a more in-depth podcast, then you mean what uh, you really yeah. said is that we just go on about stuff too much, really. <laughs> Luke, Luke Gledor, the Truman Capote of uh, lower league football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a six for Dawson, I think, sums six that up. That, yeah, that but that's the thing. It's like we can't rely on him being any better. So the whole point I, is yeah. we have to do a better job in defense. Exactly. But right now, there's so many. This is the thing that just breaks my heart. It was like it broke my heart to see that. I I don't know. I'd love to know if Monk, as someone who is a defender, you know, is he just trying to get as much juice out of these kind of you know four week old lemons is that it or is it or does he think these players are genuinely good enough or is it the fact that like we've got other problems to address on the pitch i think that's the thing isn't it it's you've got to kind of pick your battles in terms of getting players in like right now we're getting we're on the cusp of i think they're saying that they're confident that patterson's going to be a wednesday player tonight so by the time you know, we get this podcast out whenever we do this evening on Sunday. You know, Patterson could be a Wednesday player. We're still in the hunt for Sahor. Um, oh. That was the thing that I know Nixon was saying, his story in, in the Sun today, was that we've offered 25, but West Brom still want more, 25 a week to pay, you know, pay for his wages. Wowza. Which is just astonishing. But that, yeah, we're going to have that, but I think we need, I mean, hopefully... Dunkley's going to be fit soon, but that, the problem is I'm there thinking Dunkley's not the saviour. No, I, I, I'm more. The more and more I, well, the the longer the season rolls on with no Dunkley, I, I feel he was a character to brought in as more than a, a main player. But I don't know. I don't know that for sure. Maybe we did. Ha- maybe we were hanging all sorts of hopes on him. But the as a presence and a positive sort of impact in the dressing room, that seems to be the main thing that Dunkley's been brought brought into the club for. Mm. I, I know that's weird, <laughs> considering we're talking about you know all the many the multivarious issues we have and. Um, I- Really like to see another so many, centre back brought in, though. I'd like to see so many holes to plug and only so many fingers. I know, and another thing to go on. I'd like, um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, in an ideal world, I'd have a new goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely, right now, you know, we get that striker, we get that big striker, or now yeah. let's have we got Patterson. So effectively, we need another striker. I think. I think we need a higher profile striker. So be it Sahor or anybody else that we get in. And then I think we still need, I think we need a Jacob Murphy replacement. Mm. And I also think we need another centre-back. So I don't know. I don't know if that's someone like Dion Sanderson or something like this from Wolves. He would be, that would be a useful <coughs> addition in that he seems to cover a lot of positions, which... Mm. But I, I don't be. want to look at another player who's going to be a winger, who's going to be a wing-back, who's like, oh, he's industrious and he's defensive because we've got, we've got two of those already in Odebajo and Palmer. Like we need some attacking now. Yeah, I, I, I do think Harris so, so starts suddenly making a lot more sense once we've got somebody that can win a header because he was on track to have a pretty incredible season before Fletcher got injured last year. Let's let's not forget that if he's got somebody to hit with the ball, he will start getting assists again. I, I'm pretty confident in that. Mm. Um, 
Okay, well, um, we don't. We normally go in a certain route, but I'm thinking because we're talking about sort of filling, you know, filling holes with fingers. Um, I'm thinking about the our own little Dutch boy. Uh, let's go to Joost van Aken. Six, That's six is six fair. Is six fair? Do you think yeah. six is fair? Do you I, think it's generous? I wonder if he doesn't. He just looked lost second half, and he was a big part of why things fell to pieces. But I do wonder how much of that was the clunking injury he picked up because <coughs> you, mm. you saw him at the end. He could barely walk. I, to me, it, it says more about how far, how yeah, how far down the pecking order Burner has fallen that we didn't probably make that change at halftime. I think I think that probably should have happened, mm. but uh, I, yeah. I think six is fair. I think there were nice bits to his game. I, I, I saw him picking some nice passes at times, which was nice to see. But he was he was directly involved in some of the bad stuff. What are you? <laughs> Sorry, I was just I was anticipating you saying. I think six is fairer. I think four is uh, even. I think, I think six is fair. I think four <laughs> is even fairer. <laughs> no, I'm happy to go with the six. Let's uh, Tom Lee's. The vice five point five. Yeah, I just was so disappointed. It's not the mistake is bad. The reaction is worse. I think for me. Yeah, I just hated seeing that where he he literally did a full three sixty <coughs> with his arms out, like who was picking him up? You should be. <laughs> you should be. In my head, I imagine that gif of um, you know out of reach after he scores that Wilder against uh, Wildy against Leeds. Yeah. You know, the arms extended and he yes. you know, turns to gather his applause. It's like a negative version of that. Basically. Yeah, it was, it was basically that. Do you know what, Tom? You're the middle of the cent- the three centre-backs. You're the vice-captain. If you see a player from the opposition running into our box past you uh, onto a ball, how about just on the off chance you chase them in? How, d- d- instead of looking around to see whose job it is, just go and stick your knot on it and head it over the bar or kick the ball away. That's your job to do. Your job is not to kind mm. of look around and apportion blame. Um, Dominic Iorfa? I'll go for six for Iorfa. Yeah. I guess probably one of the brighter ones. I don't think he was... I don't recall him being too at fault for the goals, but I could be completely wrong. No, he was He was otherwise involved. <laughs> I th- yeah, I thought I thought he did he did fine. He didn't do anything particularly wrong today. Uh, so six seems seems fair enough. Liam Palmer, uh, back six in, back in the saddle. Yeah, I don't know. But that great again. This is one of those moments of like, what? How much of a different game is it when Palmer's perfect cross? Gets slotted in easily as it should have been by Harris at the far at the far post in five five minutes into the game. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like we're we're raving about that wonderful ball that Palmer played, a lovely deep cross, and and we probably you know we we probably go to win the, win the game from that position of strength, but it didn't happen. So you've got to judge him on <laughs> the results that were that the things that actually happened rather than the theoretical possible future that may have been so yeah fair enough um the deepest out of the three in the middle then uh, massimo luongo uh it's difficult to give players ratings for this game because it's such a game of two halves right mm. more uh, for him maybe the most of anybody i think because i thought i thought it was incredible first half 
it's like um, it's like a good Avengers film in the first half, and then it's like a Justice League in the second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, I, know, as, I thought you were. And this podcast just, is just being... this podcast is the Snyder Cut. So I, I don't know. I just I feel like it's how are we? I'm I'm measuring on one end of the scale is all the good things that X player did in, in the first half, and the second bit is. What are all their crimes in the second half? Because <laughs> Luongo was great the first half. I thought he was really fantastic. He made some brilliant interceptions. He was just going around all the way after it. He was fantastic. Yeah. He was doing, I think, the best job I think I've seen from him in that kind of, you know, defensive midfield, screaming everywhere around the pitch, you know. Oh, um, happy birthday, Action Mass, as well, by the way. This week was Happy birthday. birthday for Action Mass, as well. He was well, all action. Takes. Brought everyone cakes. Brought let's cakes. Dude. Yeah. Thanks, Mass. Um, <laughs> 6.5. Yeah, is, fair I, enough. The thing also what we kind of say was like, I thought mainly, I know then kind of hitting forward for defense, there's a problem with defense, you know, defense not having the support being screened by midfield. Mm. But I, I really think like the crimes are really from the defense today. Yeah. Well, that's, they bypassed, they stopped playing through the midfield because Luongo was gobbling everything up mm. longer if izzy brown and bannon were nipping in and nicking the ball all the time and if they got past those two luongo was just hammering them with big tackles i mean he, he, i'd sl- maybe slightly exaggerated it but there was four or five big tackles he made um so i think they just stopped trying to play through the middle and just went dropped it into the 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 front men which is where everything fell apart as we were talking about that kind of like you know the foundations of this, <laughs> the, you know this this confidence house. Uh, being able to just go straight to the base meant everything fell to pieces because we've still got Van Aken and Tom Lee's playing for us, unfortunately. Um, okay, yeah. So six point five for Luongo. Um, Barry Bannon. Six point five as well. Probably fair enough. Uh, Izzy Brown. I'm going to give a six for Izzy Brown because I. <laughs> So here's the thing, like I liked I liked what Bannon and Luongo did the first half. I thought they were very good. Um, you know, second half obviously not so much. Is he is he Brown was good in the first half, but then I I was really disappointed in his free kicks today. They weren't very good. No. Yeah, particularly there was one there's one on the right flank that he just put straight out of play, which was really, really bad. Because I thought mm. It looked dangerous. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those where if, if we were facing that, I'd be really worried because there's all that. The way everybody defends those free kicks now is you leave an awful amount of space in behind and hope that um, the attackers move too quick or your defenders move as quick as them. But he just lofted it straight out of play really tamely. And yeah, that was that was really disappointing. Um, yeah, I think six is fair enough. And the fact he got taken off, I think, is probably speaks volumes. Mm. Um I still didn't, you know, I still didn't, I'm not like going, oh, what a terrible performance from Brown. Just, there were still things I liked, but just not as much as the other two, I think. Uh, Calvin Harris. Oh, Harris, I don't know. Six. <laughs> Interesting. I thought he was our, maybe our brightest player. I know, but there was still, maybe I'm just putting that kind of degree of, you know, stress and kind of weight on Harris's shoulders. You know, I mean, that that, that chance in the first half. Brilliant! He did great work to get there. Yeah, I, I maybe I'm just expecting unrealistic things from Harris. I'm expecting he's going to beam one into the top corner. He, do you know, 
it puts me in mind of Kieran Lee used to be so good at popping up in in situations. Yeah, like that that came before his confidence in scoring goals. And there was a mm. season and a half, maybe two seasons, where actually your heart sank because. <laughs> Because Kieran Lee got the ball and he would never get the shot off properly and he would never finish it. Um, my, my sister and I used to say, why always Lee? Because that was around the time with the Balotelli. It was very clever and funny and um, we were very pleased with ourselves. Um, <laughs> but it was, the ball would always find him or he'd find his way to the ball because inherently he had this, he read the game beautifully and found himself in all those spots. Mm. And I think Harris does that. He has these bursts into these moments and he reads these little, you know, the little down moments where the uh, opposition are on their heels or he nicks in and, and makes things happen. But his finishing is atrocious and his decision making is pretty bad as well. So mm. more often than not, it's a bad shot or a poor, sh- a bad shot off target uh, or a good shot off target, a bad shot on target a bad cross, you cross with the wrong foot or the wrong situation. So I, I can sort of see the frustration, but I just thought if anything was going to happen today, he was probably going to be the guy that would make it happen. Uh, and I, I enjoyed his tussle with Jack Hunt by and large. I thought it was quite a, quite a fun back and forth. Uh, so may I'd be maybe tempted to go for 6.5, but I, I do, I, I don't, you know, I won't, um, I won't wrestle you over a six. Mm. Uh, Windus, Josh Windus, six. Mm. That might be generous. Again, again, he ha- holds a an excitement and a kind of an edge. There's not many players in our squad that do that. Uh, it feels like things could happen and can happen when he's got possession, but he just wasn't in possession enough today. He was he was lost. Um, yeah, six is fair. Kachunga, only a five point five for Kachunga. Yeah, that cross was good. It was that cross was very good to be fair. Again, but I don't know if, if we're not I mean, giving I, the nod for his cross, then we can't give it to Kachunga either. Sure. <laughs> what were you gonna but say? I uh, I don't know. I mean Kachunga's definitely someone who I I think will, you know, definitely have a role in our season. I hope he does. But I think he needs to do that and build that from the bench. I, I think I'd I prefer think... having him from an option to be He's gonna hopefully change something from the bench. See, I don't have, I don't necessarily have any qualms with him getting starts, but I think it, watching today, it needs to be him or Windass, not him and Windass. I think that's the, mm. the 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 gut feeling that we probably need to go with Rhodes, until, unless we get somebody else in Rhodes and another, is that those two just felt too similar. There were times where they were on each other's toes. Uh, which yeah. was really helpful. Um, neither of them was willing or able to even play the the sort of big man front man role. Neither of them wanted that central space. They just both completely vacated it. Maybe it was Brown's role to insert himself there. I don't know, but it didn't work. Whatever. I just I just don't feel it as a partnership. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, certainly the way they played together today. Um, okay, so five point five for Kachunga. Uh, the first change was uh, Fizzy came on. Delhi Bashiru. I think Fizzy gets a six. I think Fizzy looks bright in moments. I'm I'm wondering if he's a more of a player of more skill set coming through that academy, and you know he's got that youth and that energy. Um, 
I mean, it looks like he's someone who can create something and do something in a moment, right? Yeah, I, I, I still don't know. I don't feel like I've got a handle on him yet, but I've seen enough to be sort of still quietly pleased and quietly excited about him as a prospect. I think yeah. his strength and confidence, he's got a lot of confidence, I think, in his own ability, which is a nice thing to have. Um yeah, there's 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 good things within him, and I I just hope over time we'll see more of those, and he'll mm-hmm. he'll push his influence on the game a, a little bit more because I think that's sometimes he's got a little bit of a tendency to be a bit a bit of a passenger. Um, speaking of passengers, Adam Reach. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's um, he's often someone in the sidecar side of the uh, sidecar of the motorcycle? For some reason, I've got a, an, an image of him having to change his monocle. Like he's got one eye for distance, one eye for short, and he's always got to change his monocle before he gets invo- in, involved in whatever's happening outside the sidecar. Do you think that's why he's got a slow response to everything? Yeah, that hesitancy. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just putting on my distance mo- monocle. <laughs> I don't know why that's popped in. Um, what did you think of Adam Reach, Luke? He didn't do anything, did he? I don't remember him... I think he touched the ball once. I don't really remember him doing anything. In the world of, um, you know, transferring viruses, I think at one point he might have done a little cough and some of the droplets of that landed on the ball. <laughs> I think that's maybe the effect he had on the game. Um, let's give him a 5.5. 5. Yeah. And then finally, we had the pleasure of Jordan Rhodes' company for... Oh, we did, didn't we? Six minutes or so. 12, 12 minutes with uh, time added on. He came in, had a cup of tea with him, had a jammy dodger. Similarly, didn't didn't do very much, did he? And he dunked it into his tea, and it was a wet jammy dodger. And that's what he did. That's <laughs> all he did. That's all he wrote. <laughs> Looking at the changes they made towards the end of the kids' side. <laughs> but, like, so that, okay, maybe they've got a manager or they've had successive managers that have a, a type. But I just thought, you take off Chris Martin who's a big, not the most mobile, but he's a, you know, he's a big presence. He's a strong player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Moves people around. Naki Wells is not that big, but he's very strong. And again, has that same sort of influence. And then they take those two off and bring on two absolute units. And I was like, I just kind of thought, what? why did we miss out this whole era where you just, you just have these massive athletes to call on at any time? <laughs> Like, we're excited about Iorfa and what he does, and it's like it feels like every other team in the league has about six players. Six who are, yeah, they're like six foot four. They're really quick and strong. It's, you know, maybe not the most technically gifted, but they're, do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. I just felt, I just, I really felt, uh, I felt like we'd looked in our cupboard. You know, it was the potluck supper, and we, you know, we'd looked in the cupboard and what we had was some spaghetti hoops from before the war in, in Jordan Rhodes. And they had something really, you know, vivacious and exciting. I don't know. It just it felt like the haves and the have-nots where it, when it came to substitutions. Yeah, I feel weird because, I, you know, maybe hilariously. I mean, it's still early days in the season. Bristol City atop with three wins out of three. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not a bad side. They've never been a bad side. But I think well, maybe I'm... Sorry? Confidently, Luke. 
I know, I know, but I, I don't know whether I'm still saying and coming out with that mentality of thinking them being a very inconsistent side and how much of that is a really uh, a characteristic of um, chief sweater wearer who's not with them anymore, Lee Johnson. Yeah. Streaky Lee Johnson, because he's gone, but then they've just employed the assistant from beforehand, haven't they? Well, that to, 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 today, to, I, I didn't um, put this in my notes, but I did have a feeling today of well, like them sort of going, oh, right, you've got wing backs, have you? Oh, and three at the back. Oh, we've been doing your years, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it, it felt like we were sort of, yeah, you know, I'm trying to think what the what the best phrase for it is, but but it was like that kind of like old man strength or old man tricks. It just felt like it was like, yeah, well, what you can do against teams that play like this is this because because people do it to uh, to us every other week. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a knowing dissection of the way that we were playing because they've been doing it for as long as I can remember. Bristol City have been a wing back team, which is probably like four or five years. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not. That- it's not that long. It's not a storied history, but they certainly those players know that system much better than ours do, um, mm. and the, their twist on it was very effective at half time. Did we mm. give Rhodes a score? Five. Five point five. Five point five. Oh wow! He's found an extra half point. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. It's not Rhodes' fault that he was chucked on at the last second. No, no. I wonder what effect it would have had on the game had he started. Yeah. Might I just think that should have been our first. I think our first change should have been one of those front two for Rhodes. But that's, you know, that's what we. That, that's the theme that we've kind of <laughs> tried along most of the episode. Um, anything else from you, Luke? Anything else you, you'd want to bring forth? Um, a little bit from the beginning, just to kind of clear up some loose ends. A little bit of note I made at the beginning. Um, so I, I found it really funny at the beginning of this week. I saw a note about James Garner okay, and his loan to Watford. And apparently the reason why he went to Watford, because there's big expectations on Watford to get promotion this year. Um, isn't that a really bad idea for, to, like, to go for a place on loan? In what would be the preference? I don't know. I just, I don't know if that's, so do you think the mentality is like, here's a club with expectations. So playing for them is going to give you an idea of having expectations or having that weight on your shoulders. I just think yeah, it's such a probably. weird kind of mentality. And you're probably going to be playing attacking football, which mm. Man United generally are known for their attacking football, although whether that still survives the uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> survives the, the, the very, you know, the, the, the time of Van Hal and Mourinho, I don't know. But uh, that's the whole idea, isn't it? I guess so. Anyway, I thought that was just absolutely bizarre myself. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a great reason. Yeah, great reason for 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 for, for going there. But uh, I suppose anyway, he but he didn't come. He to us, so we don't care. No. Anyway, he didn't sign for us, Rich. So now he's crap. That's how it works, yeah, isn't it? Rubbish. Rubbish. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, we'll stick with Joey Pelopassi. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The tried and true boy with the blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, well. <laughs> On that note, I think probably we should uh, we should wrap it up and get this get this pod out to the people. We should. Uh, it's been a, a, a. I think we've you know we've got through it, Luke. It's been a it's been a pleasure of sorts, and 
I wish you well for the week ahead. You too, Rich. And uh, same to you folks at home. And uh, yeah, cheerio. See everyone. Bye bye. Bye.